5, 4, 3, 2, 1. How are you doing, New Tech? Another episode of TNT Weekly. I'm privileged to be here in the offices of Bobby Serpao, uh, the Mill Ponds speech and language services pathologist. And um, really, really happy and interested about uh, knowing a little bit more about her services. How are you doing, Bobby? Good, how are you? Very good, very good. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. Um, listen, as I start off all the show, uh, I've known you for some time, right? The journey to the Mill Pond and, and bringing your services here. But for our listeners out uh, in TNT world, um, you know, maybe give them an update, a brief little history on who Bobby is and 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 sort of your journey to Alliston and um, you know your interest in direction and how you uh, entered the world of uh, speech language services and pathology. Absolutely. Um, so gosh it's been about 10 years now. It's mm. gonna hit 10 years since I've been practicing as a speech language pathologist and funny enough I actually was going to become a teacher or a pediatrician mm. but it wasn't until university that we had the privilege of meeting a speech language pathologist who came to talk and I was like, oh, you know, listening to him, he said something very fascinating, which was speech language pathology is a mix of art and science. Mm -hmm. And I like art and I like science, mm -hmm. but I never really loved science. Yeah. So it was a nice little mix. So, you know, I was like, you know what, this is very interesting. I might like the lifestyle. I might like working with just kids on a very personal level, mm -hmm. right? So that happened and I was like, you know what, let's shadow him. Let's volunteer. Let's do my final placement with him. And it all just fit. It just fit. It made sense for me. It made me realize what I wanted to do. Right. And then from there, it was, okay, can I get all my prerequisites and my credentials in university? Because I was on a different path. Yeah. So it was a matter of getting that. And so then that's where I obtained my Bachelor of uh, Arts in Child Health. Mm -hmm. And then from there, a certificate in Speech and Language Sciences. So I got all my prerequisites. And mm -hmm. then it was, go okay. Am I going to get into this master's program? Yeah. Because you need a master's program in order to practice as a speech language pathologist. So I got in. I got into at, uh, Western, uh, Ontario, Western University. Mm -hmm. And from there, it was a two-year program. And I haven't regretted it since. I love what I do. Um, but it was a challenge figuring out what population I wanted to work with. Because, mm -hmm. as you know, it's a big scope. Yeah. We work with... Babies, children, school-aged, teenagers, adolescents, geriatrics. So it's a big scope. But that took me some time to figure out what it is it, what population was that I wanted to work with. Right. Um, I did do the geriatric. I did a lot of swallowing and dysphagia, so stroke stuff. But it just wasn't my area. Mm -hmm. um, and then through work. So that's kind of where I figured it out. So I did all my placements through school. Um, and then it wasn't until I was out in the real world when I gained my first job and it was a mixture of kids and adults and I did it for a year, a year and a year and a half, I think. And then after that it was, yeah, I don't think I like this so much, but then I found another job mm -hmm. and then that through that job, it was, oh, okay, you know what? I think kids is where I want to be. Kids and where were you working uh, with your preliminary jobs before you got into uh, the entrepreneurial world of your own practice? Yeah, so I actually worked for, um, I think it was a community-based mm -hmm. uh, center, you can call it. Right. It was located out in Uxbridge, um, but then they serviced all over. So it was yeah. community-based, right? So I was out in 
Oshawa, Oshawa for mm-hmm. a long time in Durham region, and then I was in York region, then I was in Peel, but that was all kind of through that one company. Yeah. Um, and then thereafter, I landed a job at a rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. So I worked with um, cerebral palsy kids, um, more more medical conditions. Right. And then after that, I landed a position at another private practice. So that I worked for them, mm-hmm. and through there I worked. I was there for a long time, and then there I was where I was like, okay, you know what? This is where I gained all my knowledge and my experience. Because right. you're in a private practice, you get anything that walks through the door. Yeah. Um, and then I landed that job, and I learned a lot through there. But then it wasn't until maternity leave where I was like, okay, I got to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And during or during pregnancy, I guess if I could talk about that, mm-hmm. we moved to Alliston. Okay. Um, and at that time, um, yeah, we, we got married, uh, I had a child, I was here and then I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Am I going to travel back and forth? Cause I was traveling from here to Richmond Hill. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was number one factor. I was like, I did it during pregnancy and during, 20 hours on the road. Right. Almost. I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I could do this. And it wasn't right off the highway. It was like a further drive into yeah. Richmond Hill. Right. So I had to make a choice. Okay, am I going to do this? Am I going to go on my own? Or am I going to continue to make the driver? Do I find something closer in terms of employment? Right. So I did go that route. I tried to look for employment closer. Um, just I had no luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did land a part-time position in Vaughn, which I kept um, while I then kind of indulged into the private world right okay and that's where I was like oh no I don't know if I could do this because it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and but I had the privilege of working under a private practice so I learned a lot yeah yeah, and I think exactly and I think a lot of that really helps Mm -hmm. or helped me anyways to figure out okay I know what I have to do because I saw it happening I was on the other side of it yeah but now I'm trying to be the, the sole proprietor now can I do this yeah and um yeah, after that, it was a lot of work. It's been, yeah. it's still a lot of work, right? Because you're managing everything. I'm yeah. my own admin. I'm my own for sure. uh, tax person. I'm my own clinician, my own, right? Everything. And that's the time we met, right? That's the time when you were sort of envisioning the big step of coming into the milk. Because I remember meeting and she was so nervous. <laughs> she was so nervous, right? And I think we met like four or five times. Mm-hmm. And it was all really mostly of... You know, when an entrepreneur starts on a journey, right? And you had a journey. Yes. Um, so, and believe me, I've been through it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could understand exactly where you're coming from. And, and I could see the drive that you had for wanting to take this journey. And I just remember, I, I just remember telling you, it'll work. Like, yes. don't worry about it. Yeah. Focus on what you want. Yeah. We'll get you there. Yeah. Right? The building will be built. You're going to be part of the building. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, what's it been now? Almost three years? Or yeah, it's going to be three years I in July. I can't believe it. Like yeah. three years in July. And look yeah. at you, right? Uh, like, yeah. So, yeah. and every once in a while, I cross paths with you. Hey, how you doing? How's business? How you yeah. doing? And I think you had mentioned to me once that I'm thinking of hiring somebody else because it is getting busy. And so I'm very, very proud of you. Very, very oh, happy you. for you and everything. Because uh, the step to the entrepreneurial world mm-hmm. takes a certain character and a certain drive and it's risk. There's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. kudos to you. Well Thank done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I was at home 
for two years. Okay. So I don't know if you knew that one. No, part. I did not know. So you're practicing at home? I was practicing at home. Okay. All so right. everybody used to come there. All right. So you had some sort of foundation already. Yes. Right. Yes. And then it was, okay, well then um, we had to sell the house and like my life kind of took a bit of a turn, mm -hmm. right? So I kind of had to figure out what I was going to do with the business yeah. because the house went up for sale. So I was like, where am I going to relocate now? Right. And that's when a colleague of ours was like, uh, oh, reach out to Antonio Leal and he might have something for you. Yeah. That's where we connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I came with my 101 questions for you. No, there was, there was we like 201 questions. <laughs> 201, 201. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had all my questions because it was, it was very different, right? Of course, yeah. Of you're course. in your home. There's yeah. no overhead. Yeah. There's no right. You kind of don't have to worry about a lot. The lease of... contract. Yeah. Is this thick, right. Yeah. yeah. You're saying what is this, Tony? Yeah. I said I don't know what it is either. Decide it. Decide it. Like okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you you dove right in and uh, awesome, 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 and and I hear nothing but great things oh, here in the Mill Pond Medical Center about your services uh, and what you do. So let's get a bit into your services, Bobby. Sure. Um, uh, when I first looked into it and, and when you agreed to get on the show, I, I, I wow, there's such a vast, you know, array of, of, of issues and services that you offer as a speech pathologist. At first I was thinking, I think what everybody that uh, is not fully, you know, knowledgeable about your service, I, th I thought it would be like, okay, stuttering, right? Is Tourette's part of Tourette's uh, an issue with... Uh, with speech pathology as well? Uh, it can be. Okay. It can be. I haven't actually ever had to have... I haven't had a client with Tourette's before, but mm. it is more of a medical condition. It's okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I thought it was more in that scope. And then when I read all the services, everything from, as you had mentioned earlier, swallowing, mm -hmm. right? There's cognitive mm -hmm. sort of uh, alliances and disorders. The relationship with, is there a relationship with audiology as well, to some extent? Yeah. Right? Obviously, I think listening and the ability to speak. Um, so there's so many, and I have the full function here, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe we could sort of go through, you know, all these uh, uh, services that a speech and language services pathologist would provide, mm -hmm. and uh, specifically in your scope mm -hmm. and who you've um, cornered in the sense of wanting to serve and, and, and the passion behind your business. Sure, sure. So there's a big, uh, do you want to go through the list? Yeah, like, uh, might as well inform them briefly. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. let's start with speech delays and disorders, including articulation, phonology, and motor speech disorders. Right. So those are, I mean, they're not always just the little kids. They can be adults yes. as well. But articulation is just another fancy word for speech sound errors, right? So the kids that come in and, I don't know, don't have their um, k sound, for example. So cat, right? Yes. They're just dropping it, for example, or they're making a substitution for it, mm. like tat, that it gets really technical because that could also be part of phonology. Phonology we call certain processes that yeah. kids delete final sounds or they're dropping syllables. Um, and motor speech is a completely different area. So this one I is very interesting to explain because a lot of 
people don't know the difference between the two. Yeah. A lot of families come in and say, well, he just can't say his cuss sound. And sometimes after the assessment, we realize, you know what, it's not just they can't produce the sound. It might be a motor speech issue. So you're probably familiar, familiar with, like, you know, walking and running. We consider those gross motor. Yes, yes. Fa- uh, motor speech is in the mouth. So people don't realize we have the same motor mm-hmm. capabilities in terms of when we're speaking. So mm-hmm. we use motor planning. Mm-hmm. when we're speaking, when we're thinking from what we want to say here to down here. And sometimes that doesn't click for a lot of our little ones. Yeah. So they come through the door like late talkers or they're not talking yet. And what could it be? And sometimes it's just the planning and the coordinating and the sequencing of the words and the sounds don't come from here to here. So that's a completely different area. Okay. We assess it and treat it very differently. All right. And you focus mostly on, on children as yes. infants. If an adult would come to you... It's, is it something I, you know, that you advise or refer to another agency because you, you simply would love to focus and yeah. 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 And I'd love to see the adults, but it's just not an area that I have enough experience with. So it doesn't seem fair to to the adult. Right. And I have some of them walk through, walk, you know, come through the door. Do you see adults? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, unfortunately not, but then I do refer. Yeah. I do refer. You had, uh, what you just mentioned on, on the motor skills, uh, Mm -hmm. and I mentioned this on, on my show so many times, uh, you know, and, and I realized this in the last year of, you know, COVID comes into play, et cetera, trying to be fit, you know, mm-hmm. trying to handle um, life situations mm-hmm. better. Um, the importance, could you tell us, is there, I, I think, I believe there is, because in every facet of, of how we feel, it's comes up to the, the brain mm-hmm. and, and the health of your brain mm-hmm. and everything you do from nutrition uh, it stands out to me again. I mean, uh, when I, when I interviewed Dr. Kogan mm-hmm. and she had spoke a bit about meditation and, and, you know, taking care of your brain, I'm listening to her and she goes, water. Mm-hmm. And I'm going water. I said, for me, it would be two Guinness and a glass <laughs> of wine, right? Or tea or coffee. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever. And I'm going water. She goes, no, you know, drink water like it's your job like mm-hmm. it's for your brain if your mm-hmm. brain is not hydrated that's one of the first assets mm-hmm. of operation in your day mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and just these little things i i found that cognitive wise and everything just more alert things were working better is, is that a parallel that you see with with uh speech skills that if you know you, you don't take care of all areas of your body that you're not going to have the ultimate best solution in in trying to improve uh, some voc- areas of vocabulary. I, you know what, my personal opinion is gonna yeah. say, like, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. But like, if I had to speak professionally or research based, I don't know what the research is out there. Yeah. Right. So it would be very interested to know myself. Like, does an overall balance in your health affect these areas? Yeah. I'd yeah. be curious to know too. But I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yes. I'm uh, not. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Right? But I, I. Yeah. Yeah. Holistically, I. Uh, I'm going to say. Eat better, you know, water, yeah. hydrate, everything, yeah. and, um, you know, weight loss, whatever. Just try to be the yeah. fittest that you can be. Yeah. And overall, everything else kind of works well. I hope, know? yeah, I, I hope I, so. Right? Reduce the sugar. Everything. There's yeah. so many things yeah, in yeah, our so many diet things these in that days, way. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another great service here I see, language delays and disorders, including expression and comprehension in oral and nonverbal contexts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So that's the language part, right? So we have two, we break up language into two areas. Yeah. So receptive, you know, understanding of language, and then expressive is the use of language. So that's a completely different area from speech. Um, and that tends to get confused a lot too, because people mm -hmm. are like, oh, I just want you to see my child for speech, but everybody forgets we also do the language part. Right. Hence our title, Speech Language Pathologist. Yeah. Um, but the language part is kids that come in, let's just say they're not able to follow directions. One step direction, two step direction, three step directions, answer WH questions. Right. So we look a lot at, at that in terms of receptive. Do they understand basic con basic concepts, big and small, um, dry and wet? Right. So we have a lot of standardized tests that we use for that. Yeah. And that's where I would assess like a child because um, there are a lot of things that kids have by a certain age. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. that's where some breakdowns occur because parents will come in and say, oh, my child just doesn't seem to, I don't know, understand when I give him a direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the school that makes a comment. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, he's just not following direction because once you're in school, it's really important. If the teacher says, uh, grab your lunch, sit at the blue chair and then put your lunch bag away. Yeah. Those are three steps. And if a child can't comprehend that receptively, the child is lost. Mm -hmm. Right. So we look at that piece. Expressive language is more, I guess you could say, grammar. Are they speaking correctly, grammatically? Do they have their pronouns? Me, she, you're a she, you're not a she, you're a he, right? Yeah. So sometimes the kids confuse that. Yeah. And by a certain age, they should have that. Um, how long are their utterances, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes the kids come in and they're only speaking one word at three years of age. And by three, they should be speaking more in sentences, mm -hmm. right? So why is he only speaking one word? Was there a delay? So that's the language piece, yeah. expressively. I might be missing a few areas, but that's kind of the scope of it. Because a lot of kids also come in and their vocabulary is really low. You, you, might, you, uh, you must find from time to time that maybe there are some underlying traumas, right? That, uh, that Right? I mean, you don't know, right? We don't know unless the parent tells us. Yes. If I can get a good case history or a medical yeah. history. Yeah. And sometimes parents don't even know, right? Yeah, I know. I sometimes know. parents don't know. Something that happened at school, right. something that happened on social media. Right. Right? I mean, what, with that element now out there, it must be crazy. Yeah. Right? And family history is a good one, too, because yeah. I'll, I'll ask the parents. Okay, so anybody in the family, you, partner, dad, mm -hmm. any speech and language delays growing up? And a lot of them will say... No, and then they'll come back and be like, you know what, I actually asked. <laughs> yeah. And there was. And I'm like, well, what was it? And I can't really tell you, but they did receive speech and language therapy way back when, or they struggled in school. And that really, I find, comes through the door quite a bit. So there is a genetic uh, aspect to this and, and uh, genes through... Uh... That's it. I could say that just based on my experiences. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could clearly say that clinically and, yeah, and, and yeah. research-wise, scientifically, right, right? right? But yeah, that's kind of what I've noticed. Hmm, interesting, yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. um, fluency disorders, including stuttering. Right. So fluency, we consider that's another word for stuttering. Yeah. So I think everybody's kind of familiar with stuttering, right? When you're repeating your words and your phrases. Typically starts at pre in preschool, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but we have a lot of factors that we look at. You know, how long has it been going on? Six months or more? Does it happen in various contexts? When they're playing, when they're talking to you, when they're answering questions, if yeah. they can read when they're reading. 
So a lot of a lot of factors we look at in stuttering as well. And stuttering again, the therapy there is working with the parents, like with everything else, working right. with the parents. Right. You know, understanding that we're going to have to carry over what we do in therapy here at home as well. Okay. Right. Okay. Voice and resonance disorders. Oh yeah. So voice resonance um resonance okay so that's when you know you sound very hypernasal your your voice is really really high all of a sudden or hyponasal really really low so you've had a normal voice but then some sort of trauma may have affected the okay. the resonance of your voice right. um another example might be kids or adults with a cleft lip and palate mm -hmm. so yeah. they weren't born with complete formation, yes, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll have um, an opening in their palate. And because there's an opening there, it goes straight to the nasal cavity. And so they end up sounding, yeah. sounding almost the pitch. nasally, yes. right? Yeah. And so that's the resonance. Voice, things like mm, nodules on your vocal cords, mm -hmm. polyps on your vocal cords. So singers and actors sometimes get that. That's the okay. best way I can explain it. Yeah. If, you know, I don't know. An actor or a singer. Did. Celine Dion had right. one and then didn't talk to anyone for four months as part of a therapy and getting right. back to normal. That's, right. Yeah. So that's a process, right? You got to see like the laryngologist and the ENT yeah. and you got to go through your process of seeing everybody. Yeah. And then um, a speech language pathologist, again, not my area, but um, would help working on techniques on how to use and get your voice back yeah. going, you okay. know, without causing trauma again to your vocal cords because your vocal cords are very delicate. We mm -hmm. don't realize that. Yeah. They're in there, very delicate tissue. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Okay. Cool. And you've mentioned this several times, swallowing and feeding disorders mm -hmm. uh, in adults, children, and infants. Yeah. Yeah. So I did mention it um, with adults. So that can go either way. It could be seen as a result of stroke, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. they've had a stroke, they've had a trauma, and it affects many parts, yes. like the brain, yes. swallowing, um, or just getting old, yeah. right? It's part of life, yes. right? I yes. find that as you're getting older, it's difficult to swallow certain things. Mm -hmm. And so speech-language pathologists deal with modifying diets okay. um, and textures, right? So we want to make sure they're not oh, really? choking. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Children as well. Yeah. Children as well. So again, the younger kids, it's also in combination with other professionals, but um, picky eaters, mm -hmm. sensory eaters, mm -hmm. only eat chicken nuggets and chips. That's their whole diet, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, well, that's a maybe a sensory issue. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to help. The texture them. of food, right? It could be texture. It could be aversion. It could be, we don't know. Yeah. So okay. that's a big area as you. Um, cognitive communicative disorders, including social commu communication skills, reasoning, problem solving, and executive functions. So that, the example I can give there is traumatic brain injury mm -hmm. or acquired brain injury. So traumatic, acquired, so traumatic is when, like a car accident. Yes, yes. Right? So all of a sudden you're in a car accident and now you've experienced trauma to the brain. So sometimes all your executive functioning skills can be affected. Mm -hmm. So you forget things all of a sudden. Yeah. You don't know how to reason, right? Um, you don't remember the your phone number, your address. Right. Right? Um, executive functioning is something we do all the time. Like right now we sit here, right? You listen mm -hmm. and then you're going to ask me a question because you're trying to figure out how to kind of get through this. Mm -hmm. Problem solving, how you're going to get here today, you know, how you're going to set up today, right? All yeah. of that, like yeah. all those skills that we don't realize yeah. we use on a daily basis. 
is taken for granted, but we do deal with that. And acquired brain injuries if you're born with it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Pre-literacy and literacy skills, including phonological awareness, decoding, reading comprehension, and writing. Oh, I love this area. So this is an area a lot of people don't know about that speech language pathologists do, is that we deal with pre-reading skills. So we associate kind of, you know, kids going to school and learning how to read. Yeah. But the kids that struggle sometimes is because they're missing certain skills, the pre-literacy basis of it. Um, So we teach a lot of a lot of the building blocks to reading. So phonological awareness, another word, um, examples I can give about that is, can your child rhyme? So if I say cat and hat, does he, can he tell me that rhymes? Can you produce a rhyme? What rhymes with cat? What's the first sound in sun? Right, so you're kind of working on the sound level there. Yeah. And that's a really big precursor for reading. Um, so I see a lot of kids that come through actually once they've started school. And they're like, oh, they're struggling with reading. The teacher said there's something going on. Yeah. And instantly, when they're if they're SK or grade one, I already screen you know. for yeah. photo, like the pre-literacy stuff okay. because I want to make sure they're on the right track. Yes. Um, and parents don't know that sometimes. And it's just me educating them. And they're like, oh, we had no idea. And it's like, yeah. So this is where maybe why little Johnny's struggling in this area is because this piece is missing. Right. Because it's like we work so hard, we work so hard, and he just doesn't get it. But there's a component missing. Okay. Right. So that's an area that I love to work on too. So. Okay. Super. And the last one here in this big list: communication and swallowing disorders related to other issues. For example, hearing impairments, traumatic brain injury, dementia. Dementia, I'd like to speak to, uh, but developmental, intellectual, or genetic disorders and neurological impairments. Yeah, I guess that covers the list, right? That's the, yeah. all the other areas that yeah. I would cover. Um, I did put traumatic into the other category, yeah. but yeah, so there's a lot of medical conditions, disorders that speech language pathologists do play a role in. And dementia, could you sort of expand in, in that area? And, and the reason why I mentioned I lost my dad to dementia and, oh, and, um, you know, just better understanding as we age the senior population and some of the issues within that 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 population as we age and dementia is rampant uh, out there and, yeah. and 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 a huge issue with uh, the retirement bracket, right? And maintaining our hardware in our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the uh, what does the pathologist look at in that area if if, if someone? Yeah. How is that relation to speech pathology, if any, yeah. uh, relate to? And I'm just reading again yeah. from... There's a, there's, a, there's a relationship. I know we can work in that area. I don't have enough information to comment. Okay. But I, I believe it's a lot to do with the cognition and communication part of and it. And it's mostly in adults. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have that in children, obviously. Right, it's right. Just... And, and I, from what I remember is, you know, ha- helping the other caregiver. Yeah. Uh, provide strategies on how to communicate with the patient with dementia or the or the mm-hmm. partner with dementia, and I think our role is a lot of like counseling and educating right. on how to interact and communicate with that okay. individual. Um, do you work a lot with a multi-disciplinary uh, team of of health professionals in in some of your services in the sense that? A referral comes in or maybe you should see another specialist and in parallel mm-hmm. let's work together yeah. uh, what are some of the uh, 
uh, some of the uh, professionals you work with? Yeah, so right off the bat, audiologists, okay. right? So they come in, um, have you had a recent hearing test, especially if they're late talkers, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so number one, sometimes parents say they're not concerned, but silent ear infections get missed quite frequently, fluid in the ears get missed frequently, so audiology yep. is where, we, where I would refer first. And thereafter, it just depends. Um, we didn't talk about um, another big area. I think I forgot was autism, the autism spectrum yeah, disorder. Okay, yeah, yeah. So usually I find, again, I'm only speaking from my experience, is that they come in and parents have are not aware that there might be some concerns mm -hmm. for that. And we are trained in a sense and have taken additional training on identifying red flags for autism. So sometimes... I'm the first person to tell parents about that. And that's where I'm like, okay, who's your doctor? Okay. And if they're in the building, yeah. I have no, we've, we've gotten together yes. and we've met up and we've chatted. Yes. Right. Um, if it's somebody outside of Mill Pond, then I send them yeah. a quick like email. Yeah. If parents provide consent or parents give it to their doctor. Right. Um, development or pediatrician. Um, out, I think she's out in Schaumburg now, but I do a lot of, uh, referring to her through the physician. Mm -hmm. I can't directly refer. That has to go yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. What else? Occupational therapy. Okay. All right. Out in Barry, especially mm -hmm. if there's fine motor issues or gross motor issues or maybe feeding concerns if I have any. Right. Occupational therapy does that as well. Um, and then through RVH, through the government base. Yeah. So class in Simcoe County, some of the therapists I know there mm -hmm. will try to connect if they're receiving services to the government or with me, we try to connect and talk about the goals. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been quite different since the pandemic. So. Yeah. Which is where I wanted to go next. <laughs> okay. Right here we are cruising along. Okay. Uh, um, it's been quite a uh, difficult time for sure. Mm -hmm. But... Um, We've survived the best we can. We've evolved, etc. But I, I can just envision you. You know, you're, you're heading down the highway and you're cruising, right? Business is cruising, and like all of us, boom! Uh, there's a barricade at the end of the highway, and we have to stop, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I see here that you have plexi and mm -hmm. uh, different measures and signs, etc. For for the reopening, uh, since you know the stages were uh, allowing you to, to reopen again, and you've obviously included those elements, but sort of what you know, how 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 did this affect you? How did you reorganize, and what are you doing today to meet the standards uh, to continue to see your patients? Yeah, so yeah, it was definitely a shock and different, and you know, you panic a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but once they did the lockdown, I moved straight home. So I had to cancel all my services, but then it was learning about virtual care. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky enough because I am also on the side running virtual workshops for the government. So um, through the Ontario Autism Program, but um, I kind of already had my feet in there. So I was like, you know, this might not be completely unfamiliar territory. Yeah. So I kind of had a place to start. And then it was just a matter of marketing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we haven't completely shut down. We've moved to online virtual care. So if you're interested, let's move to that route. And that was, okay, so, you know, not the buy-in, but it was like, even for me, it's like it's going to work for certain clients and not for all. Uh, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the professionals in the building, right? At, at uh, you know, you there's something about that one-on-one -on -one care and that one-on-one -on -one assessment mm -hmm. that, online video will never give you That's ever yeah. right for some services maybe like 
prescriptions, what, you know, that type of area. But yeah. I think the consultation and the assessment process stops at a certain level with online yeah. assessment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you found your services as well? Yeah, right. So it's like some of the things on the list there, like articulation and speech sounds, if they were already assessed and we were just doing therapy, it was pretty okay, virtual care. But my kids with, let's just say, on the autism spectrum disorder, that was a little bit challenging, yeah. right? And I think parents kind of also said to me, oh, you know, it's not going to work, Bobby. And I respected that because I understand. For sure. Right? But some of the kids with the little ones, I think that worked really well. That was more parent coaching. Yeah. So the little 18-month-old or their two-year-old didn't have to sit in front of the screen with me because that's not how I would do therapy, but it was more parent coaching. Right. So, you know, you're the parent. I'm like, okay, let's try this and let's do this. And we kind of come up with a plan before the visit, the yeah. session, and then and then go from there. And then I would coach the parents in the background. So it went not terribly, but I just had to, it, it eliminated and kind of divided everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. But once um, we were given the okay to reopen, it was a lot of planning and problem solving. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do this? Can I go back? Should I go back? Mm -hmm. What are the risks? Right? Um, but I think with talking to everybody and colleagues and friends and family, and then this is the setup I came up with. Pepsi yeah. Glass is a great idea. Yeah. Um, I have my face shield mm -hmm. that I use. Um, Do the patients wear a mask when they come in? And Adult has to wear a mask. Yeah. Child comes in with a mask sometimes, but they're not required because I need to see their you faces. You need to see the, yeah. I need to see the movement. Um, and so some parents are okay when I'm fully shielded to work beside them. Yes. Um, and I've only done that if they've given me permission. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how it's going right now. Hmm. It's a struggle because I can't blow bubbles anymore. <laughs> the uh, simplest things, right? Like yeah. you're like, oh, I'm gonna blow bubbles, and I realized it one day, and I was like, oh yeah, I can't because you know everything's on. <laughs> but something very simple <laughs> that used to be the best tool for my kids, yeah, my clients. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't do anymore. So oh, man. you know, we're, we're trying to figure it out, yeah. and I think everybody in the community has been great. Yeah. You know, everybody's adjusting. We got a great community. Yes. This community rocks, man. Yes. It's the best. It is. It's the best. It is. Well, it's been an awesome uh, show, Bob. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to... Did I miss anything? I mean, I, I just sort of went over all these services in the last like 48 hours, 72 hours, and there's lots. <laughs> you did well. But I hope I, did, I hope I didn't miss anything. No. But if there's anything you'd like to further share with our listeners about uh, you and your services here at the Mill Pond... Please feel free to... Uh... Oh, okay. Um, so, I guess I'm here in the Mill Pond at Stepping Stone Speech and Language. Um, just feel free to give me a call or send me an email if you even have any questions, because I'm more than happy to just answer questions. Right. A lot of the time, clients don't come through the door. They just want information. Mm -hmm. And I'm more than happy to educate mm -hmm. and provide information. Okay. Um, and I have to say, I also did change my name, Tony. Uh, it's Bobby Capadia. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, so man. that's what everybody kind of knows me as now. So I just thought I would mention that. But other than that, I think it I took just... you to the end of the show. I was like, should I stop that. him? Should I you stop said, him? You should stop me. Like right at the beginning. <laughs> I should have, but I was like, you're in your right in your mojo. So. Okay, it just reminds me of a of a <laughs> of a of an episode with a friend. It was just not a friend. It was a colleague. It was a business yeah. colleague. Yeah. And. Uh, and he got offended by 
but when I meet someone, I throw the nickname in right away. His okay. name was Nicholas. Okay. And I and I said, "Hey, Nikki, oh. how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a good business meeting. <laughs> it didn't happen out. So my apologies. That's all okay. right. That's okay. Um, really great to have you on the show. It's been Thank really you. awesome. You're you're loved at the Mill Pond. Um, if you need any speech and language services in Allison, please check out Bobby here at the Mill Pond Medical Center. Her website, www.steppingstonesslp.com. Her direct phone number, 416-705-6369. Yes. Right? Yes. And um, she'll take care of you, okay? Thank you, Tony, so much yeah, for having me today. Yeah, a lot of fun, eh? Yeah, okay. fantastic. All right, TNT Weekly. This was episode 19. Lots of fun. Um, I'll be releasing this one on Saturday. It's in pre-tape mode right now. And uh, looking forward uh, to your comments and responses and hope you enjoy it. So over and out. Have a good week. Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, that's it, man. All right. That was good. 30 minutes. 36 minutes. Awesome. Is that good? Yeah, that was good. I know, awesome. Thank you so much.